Welcome to Farmer Talk Radio. I'm Danny McCarthy. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. James Tercy, Chief Scientific Officer of Faring Pharmaceuticals. Dr. Tercy will be discussing study results of Faring's phase three trial for their microbiome-based live therapeutic use in the treatment of C. difficile and the fast emerging area of microbiome-based therapeutics and how to harness its potential. Welcome, Dr. Tercy. Thanks, Danny. It's good to be here. Before we learn more about the study, can you give a brief overview of Faring and the work that it's leading in the microbiome and even why Faring decided to get into the development of these microbiome-based biotherapeutics? Yes, yes. So Faring is a global mid-sized biopharmaceutical company. Our headquarters is in Sun Switzerland, uh, near Geneva. And our U.S. headquarters is Parsippany, New Jersey. Now, the company's been in business for over 70 years. One of the things that is unique to Faring across my experience in industry really relates to the mantra of the organization, which is people come first at Faring. Now, that's broader than just the employees. That's the patients. That's the families. That's the healthcare professionals. The, the not In addition to the dedicated men and women that are part of the Faring team that work together to really harness the, the science and, and bring forward those world-class competencies and ultimately drive to develop what we hope are life-changing innovations that help people live better lives in a nutshell. Now, how did we start in the microbiome really started back in 2018 when we acquired a small company based in Minnesota called Rebiotics. And that company had been focused on the microbiome, specifically the development of a live biotherapeutic for recurrent C. diff. So with that acquisition and with continued expansion of our efforts in the microbiome space, what we're really doing is, is striving to lead the science in microbiome-based therapeutics with hopes, ideally, that someday we can shed light between that link of disease and disruptions in the gut microbiome. Ultimately, our goal, restore hope for patients. And can you tell us a little bit about... so? What is C. diff infection? Why is it an urgent health threat? And what is the role that the microbiome plays in that? So C. diff uh, is an abbreviation, uh, Clostridioides or Clostridium difficile. It's changed names over the last couple of years in terms of the specifics. Um, but essentially, it's a bacterium. And specifically, it's a spore-forming, what we would call a gram-positive anaerobic bacterium. And it's most commonly acquired in a hospital setting, um, although it can be acquired in the community. Now, it's particularly problematic because of a toxin that it produces that can result in debilitating gastrointestinal symptoms. Severe diarrhea can cause fever, stomach pain, loss of appetite, nausea, severe inflammation of the colon. And these can even lead to more severe issues, death uh, or sepsis, body-wide infection. Now, every few years, CDC publishes a list of those infections that, that raise to a level of national concern. And they define basically three levels. They define urgent threats, serious threats, and what are called concerning threats. Now, urgent threat being the, the worst, the most worrisome to CDC. And C. diff was listed among the top five of urgent threats by the CDC back in 2017 and 2019. So it's something that has a significant impact on the healthcare system. Now, when we consider what number of patients are affected by this, this will cause up to half a million illnesses a year and thousands of deaths. And that's just in the United States alone. 
So remembering that these symptoms can lead to severe complications, it's, it's worth probably me speaking just a little bit in terms of, of kind of the sequence of that infection. Now, about 5% of people, roughly, are colonized with C. diff with no symptoms. So they're so-called carriers of C. diff. But the majority of infections occur following exposure to that bacterium or the spores in a healthcare or community setting, specifically following antibiotic therapy, often for another reason. So patient goes into the hospital, they get treated perhaps for a pneumonia, they receive antibiotics, and then they develop C. diff. So that's kind of the classic pathway of infection. Now, what's potentially happening and what we believe occurs is that as a way of background, our GI tracts generally maintain a very good balance of the bacteria. That's the so-called microbiome. And that microbiome helps to prevent growth of these so-called bad bacteria like C. diff. So when a patient receives antibiotics to treat something else, like pneumonia in my example, that microbiome is disrupted, so-called dysbiosis. Now, remember, antibiotics, they don't discriminate, right? They will kill good bacteria as equally as bad bacteria in many cases. So when that dysbiosis occurs, that gives that opportunity for C. diff to flourish and ultimately and potentially cause serious infection. Now, the problem with C. diff, in addition, is compounded because when treating C. diff with antibiotics, you're often starting a cycle of recurrence. So the first line of treatment and the second and often the third line are antibiotics for C. diff. So while they're critical to kill it, they can also start a cycle that they never allow our microbiome to recover. And that dysbiosis just continues to worsen and then patients just don't have a chance to recover. Now, recurrence following the first infection, generally 20 to 30% of patients will recur after the first infection of C. diff. And after that first recurrence, it, it continues to increase. It could be up to 50 to 60% of patients may develop a subsequent recurrence. So it really seems to start a kind of nasty cycle that, yeah. Can... In many patients it does. And it's a shame because often the treatment may be exacerbating the problem. We need the antibiotics, they're critical to the success of treatment. But if we don't have an opportunity to restore the microbiome, then that infection can just continue to recur. Mm -hmm. And what has been the work in the microbiome up until this point? You know, how has it been utilized? What do we know about it? What don't we know about it? And where do you, I mean, could this be the next kind of big area where you're seeing a lot of uh, forward motion? Well, the microbiome and treatment or manipulation of it has been considered for quite some time to be a potential viable path. One of the things that is relatively well known is that when we consider our bodies, we have more bacterial DNA in our bodies, normal bacteria, and bacteria that we live with as part of our microbiomes than cells in our body. That's how pervasive the microbiome is. And that's anywhere from eyes, ears, mouth, nose, your GI tract front to back and your skin. And it's been understood for quite some time that disruption of that may lead to disease and potential problems. So of late, there has been a continued focus and, and really more definitive focus on looking for ways to manipulate that microbiome, improve the dysbiosis or relieve the dysbiosis, and ultimately get back to more normal in a way that utilizes the microbiome as part of that therapy. And as a result, where the science has moved has been one where companies across the board are really looking for opportunities to do that 
in a regulated, appropriate, well-controlled way that passes the rigor of clinical studies and clinical trials. Within our area, certainly things like microbiotransplants have been around for, for, for some time, but the data on that's a little bit variable. It hasn't been historically well-controlled, and certainly there are no FDA-approved products in that area to date. So that's part of our hope is to bring that forward in a very rigorous way that we could drive forward to what would ideally be that first microbiota-based therapeutic, FDA-approved, hopefully. So this really leads nicely into talking about Faring's lead product, which are uh, which is RBX2660. So can you just describe, before we get into um, the details of the study, can you just describe that therapeutic for our audience? Sure. So RBX2660 is essentially a, a potentially first-in-class microbiota-based live biotherapeutic. Essentially, what we hope to deliver with that is a broad consortium of diverse microbes to the gut with the idea of reducing recurrent C. diff infection. Now, in the clinical studies, how was the investigational treatment administered? Because it's worth understanding the sequence of events. A patient would present with a recurrent C. diff infection. They would receive their antibiotic treatment. And then the goal would be within 24 to 72 hours to administer the investigational product. Now, in the clinical studies, of course, there was a placebo or RBX2660. Now, while the exact mechanism of action is, is not fully known, the goal is to restore the patient's microbiome. So when we consider a clinical program, we believe it's one of the largest and most robust clinical program ever conducted in the field of microbiome-based therapeutics. Uh, this has been over a decade um, of development consisting of, of six clinical studies uh, with more than 600 paces, patients that have been exposed to RBX2660. And a couple of the studies also include up to two years of follow-up. And so what have the, can you describe what the study results have been in this most recent phase three PUNCH study intervention? Sure. So yeah, yeah the phase three, the so-called PUNCH study, the acronym that they use for the study that was presented at Digestive Disease Week. And what it demonstrated was superior efficacy of the investigational product, the RBX2660, versus placebo in the reduction of recurrence of C. diff infection. Now, the primary endpoint was treatment success, so essentially no recurrence. And the product demonstrated efficacy of 70.4% treatment success for RBX2660 compared to 58.1% for placebo at eight weeks post-treatment. Recurrence, when it occurs in these patients, tends to occur, recur quickly within the first couple of weeks. So we follow these patients out for eight weeks for the primary endpoint. That equates to a relative reduction of recurrence of almost 30%, 29.4% compared to placebo. Product appeared to be well-tolerated. The safety profile, we believe, is comparable to that of placebo. And statistically, it demonstrated a 98.6% posterior probability of superiority, a statistical terminology, uh, but essentially a, a statistical threshold, which was exceeded of 97.5%. In addition, what's interesting about the data, it's the only microbiota-based live biotherapeutic to date to demonstrate efficacy as early as the first recurrence. So that was also another area that I think we were quite excited about when we saw the efficacy results. From a safety perspective, I talked a little bit about the tolerability. The majority of the treatment uh, emergent adverse uh, uh, events were mild to moderate. Um, and 
we're very encouraged for both patients and obviously our physicians, healthcare providers, with an eye to ideally providing hope to what would be a new treatment that can make a meaningful difference in their lives. Because again, we one of the things that we do at Furring often um, is across all of the areas in which we work is we look for opportunities to connect with, with patients, with healthcare providers, and understand their perspectives and understand how these diseases that we're trying to treat affect them. And this is one where we've had several patients who've suffered C. diff come in and speak to speak to us, but virtually through through COVID, of course. Um, but as part of that, it's amazing the impact this disease has on people. You know, people think, well, it's a GI disorder, but but you know, I think number one, CDC's focus on the urgency of treating it. And then when you speak to the patients and you see the morbidity and potentially the mortality of it, it is uh, it is quite a significant um, issue for the healthcare system and something that, that hopefully, as I said, we can make a meaningful difference in the lives of patients with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it also disrupts just their day-to-day -day lives of what they're able to do. I, um, in researching for this interview, was reading a couple different patient stories who were describing, you know, how debilitating it can be and how kind of silencing it can be to have recurrent C. diff. Can you speak to, when you were talking to patients, what were they describing as what this could potentially do for them? Probably the most impactful was a patient who had had multiple recurrences and, and not, not treated with our product. This was prior to the clinical, but, but this patient had had multiple recurrences of C. diff and literally had been placed into what they thought was a hospice situation, meaning they literally thought that she was going to die from the infection. Additionally, these patients can't leave the house they, they literally can't do anything because they're in the bathroom much of the day, if not all the day, until they can ultimately get this treated. So it's, it's something that, you know, it's not just a physical ailment they're dealing with. It starts to become emotional, mental. There starts to be a lot of factors that come into play for these patients. What is the patient population, you know, in terms of numbers, how many people a year, or if you can speak to that, what, what does this patient scope look like? Yeah, so there's about... Roughly 500,000, about just under half a million infections that occur annually. And recurrence after that first episode occurs in about 20 to 30%. So using that number, it would be approximately 125,000 patients that would have that first recurrence. And as I said, the challenge is with the first recurrence, the risk tends to increase further with subsequent recurrences. So what we're really looking to say is in those patients suffering from recurrence, ideally, we can drive a new standard of care. They receive an antibiotic therapy, and then if approved, they would receive RBX 2660 with hopes that we could break that cycle of recurrence. Is the idea that this will be used always in conjunction with, so it's antibody first and then followed up by RBX 2660? The clinical studies were designed to test exactly that, cure the recurrent C. diff with antibiotics, and then administer the product RBX 2660 with the hopes that it would restore the microbiome. So yes, that is correct. Are there exciting potential implications for other diseases based off of this data and based off of the success that you've had? What does this mean for other microbiome-based therapeutics or other kind of recurrent diseases that could have a similar profile to C. diff? We believe there could be. Part of our investment in microbiome will be to examine some of those other areas. Um, for example, um, we are developing an oral formulation uh, that has successfully completed a phase one trial 
for recurrent C. diff. So that's the same indication, um, but certainly a different route of administration for the product and exploring its potential for treatment, not just there, but in other potential diseases. Looking to say, how do we narrow and secure with that crucial link that exists between the microbiome and human health? We're starting with recurrent C. diff, but we believe that there's tremendous potential as a therapeutic for these products. So we will continue to explore those through research, well-controlled clinical studies as, as we've done up to this point. Um, and again, at this point, we're really just focusing on the US, but we aim to develop microbiome-based products with proven safety, proven efficacy to deliver to patients worldwide. And you kind of touched upon this actually when you were discussing the oral formulation, but what is the next step for this product and what does the, flat, the path towards the clinic look like? So we look forward to sharing our data with the FDA as we believe that RBX266 holds the potential to create an improvement over current standard of care uh, alone, antibiotics alone, for those patients affected. The timeline ultimately will be based on the review uh, and assessment of that full data package. The microbiome and using that for therapeutics is kind of a fast emerging area. What would you like to see in five or 10 years in terms of what kind of things are happening, where you see Faring's role and all of that, and what kind of questions the research community should really be looking to answer and asking in that time period? I think probably the critical question will be focusing efforts on fully elucidating that link between the microbiome and disease. As I've said, there's considerable evidence and considerable support that the microbiome influences our lives in a number of different ways. And ideally what we will see, ideally with Faring leading the way, is one in which we can very specifically identify what those areas are where microbiome treatments or live biotherapeutics will make a difference for these patients. That's kind of at the core of it, right? As it's, it's cutting edge. And I think as a cutting edge product in a cutting edge area, it's always difficult because the path hasn't always been cleared, right? There's not a, a, an example we can always follow. So often we're breaking new ground with many of these as will occur in, in different disease areas or whether we're treating you know, skin conditions or whether we're treating other GI conditions or even gynecologic conditions uh, as a company that has considerable experience in reproductive health. Um, when we're in that environment, you know, there's slow, slow steps. It takes a while to, to, to advance through those steps because we're learning as we go and we're working with the regulators along the way to ensure that we're doing things right so that we maximize safety and try to find true scientific breakthroughs to move us forward. Why do you think the microbiome is kind of just now hitting its stride or if, the, if that characterization can even really be applied, but what, what, what about this kind of time frame? What do we know now that we didn't know before? What do we still have to learn about this? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think my sense, when I was in clinical practice, Generally, the approach was small molecule, right? It was treat with a pill or, or an injection or, or, or intravenous therapies. And I, I think what's evolved is really just the knowledge and the ability to really understand these various pieces of 
our physiology and how they drive disease. The microbiome specifically, I think, benefited from advances in genomics and understanding how can we characterize that microbiome better. You know, when I was in, in clinical practice, we didn't really understand that. We, we might have a general idea of certain bacteria, and we can measure for the kind of the good ones or the bad ones. But understanding that interplay, how that microbiome influences disease, I think the technology and the science has just advanced. That's my sense of it. And then also the desire to really bring these forward as therapeutics that are regulated, uh, that are comprehensively screened in terms of potential donors, and that are manufactured in a consistent and structured way that would undergo regulatory scrutiny and then ultimately, ideally, regulatory approval. And what else does Herring have in its pipeline? What else are you excited about in the work that you're leading? You know, on the microbiome side, we are doing a couple of programs. I don't think we publicly disclosed all of them, but we are doing a number of programs that will examine different areas of microbiome therapies. Uh, as I said, to some extent, it includes gynecologic indications and other extents, it's other potential GI indications. And I did mention the oral formulation, uh, the designation number RBX, we call that 7455. Uh, and that's the one that's completed the phase one study. We also have some partnerships and some alliances with other areas that are looking at potential phage therapy and other ways to influence the microbiome. That is all uh, ongoing. In addition, we've got a very active clinical program on the reproductive medicine maternal health side, and that includes indications such as endometriosis, preterm moms, and lactation challenges that they have, uh, as well as other areas in terms of specific reproductive techniques to help patients get pregnant that are unable to do so. It seems like a really exciting space to be in and a new era of ways of creating therapeutics and ways of thinking about how we treat patients and ultimately better their lives and improve their health. So are there any final thoughts that you would like to share with our audience about the work that you're leading or any final thoughts about the microbiome or anything like that? I would just say it is a very exciting time. Uh, not just for fairing, obviously, but for medicine in general, in terms of what potentially is on the horizon for the microbiome. I think we are looking you know, at some of the most pervasive diseases that burden millions of people and their families. And, and recurrent C. diff, that's just the first. So in my role, it's very exciting to be able to take forward and break new ground, pioneer, as it were, in an area that that I think the potential is, is you know, it's, it's quite large. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, Dr. Tracy. I'm sure our audience really enjoyed learning about the work that Faring is leading and the exciting new potentials. For more information about our podcast at PharmaTalk Radio, you can visit theconferenceforum.org. But I would like to, again, thank Dr. Tracy for taking the time to chat with us. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.